It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome into a very special episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Uh, in fact, this is not technically the Mr. Wonderful Show today. We'll get to that in just a second, but want to welcome you back in to another week of programming. Uh, thank you to all the new listeners, the new subscribers as well. If you are new to the program, well, Welcome in. Hope you enjoy this episode of the show, a very special episode. But if you like what you hear, I do talk a lot about entertainment. I review movies. I talk about things in Hollywood that interest me and hopefully interest you. Uh, and of course, you can hit the subscribe button if this is your first time, wherever you are listening. Also, rate, review, and share the show with your friends if you enjoy what is going on here in the program. But as I said today, Going to be a very different episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. In fact, today is... Reliving his entire movie collection, here is the Mr. Wonderful A to Z movie review. Yeah, exactly what the voice lady said. So thank you, voice lady. We're going to make that all pretty and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, this this is basically a show where I got the idea a while back when I was watching That's My Boy. I tweeted it out. I said, hey, I'm watching That's My Boy really enjoy this movie. And I was engaging in a lot of conversation with film Twitter and just people in general that either enjoyed the movie, but a lot of people that didn't like the movie. And I started getting questions about why do I even have the movie, which helped spark this idea that I thought it would be fun to go back and revisit my movie collection. See, the thing is, is I've been buying DVDs and Blu-rays and yes, I still have some DVDs, I've been upgrading my DVD collection to Blu-ray collection, but Blu-rays in general, I'm well over 100 Blu-rays. I'm well over 100 DVDs uh, and 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 probably more movies lying around in places that I don't even know where to look right now. I know I have a ton of VHS tapes back uh, in my parents' house where I grew up. I, I'm, I'm sure, listen, I've got VHS tapes of it, uh, the movies that I've purchased, the movies that back in the day when you used to record the HBO movie of the week. So we had HBO, we had the VCR, we bought the VHS tapes. Listen, I I had the entire series of The Sopranos before The Sopranos was even being sold as a box set in VHS or DVD, Blu-ray, wherever else you can get it. Or now, now you can just get it on HBO Max and pay the money each month. But we had HBO, so we had a lot of movies growing up. So I thought this would be fun to go back and revisit every movie I have because, listen, all of our taste in movies, all of our taste in cinema, our taste in style, it changes throughout the course of the years. When I was young, a very young, wonderful growing up in Long Island, New York, there were films that I was enjoying that I'm convinced some people never even saw and that I own and I'm convinced other people might never have seen. And then there were the films that I was loving, like today's movie, Jurassic Park. We're going to talk about Jurassic Park and all that fun stuff that goes into my first viewing of the film, memories of the movie, uh, and a review of the movie as well, and things that, uh, really just an explanation of why I own these films. So Jurassic Park, we'll all agree, is a classic, but as I mentioned, I was watching That's My Boy when this conversation came up with people on Twitter, uh, which you can follow and interact with me, wonderful underscore radio, that's my Twitter handle. But I also have films like the Dukes of Hazard movie. Yeah, the Johnny Knoxville, Sean William Scott one. So I, th I figured it would be fun to deep dive 
the why I have these, the memories of these films, and review them and look at them today. Do I regret buying them? Do I still enjoy that I had them? Was this purchased because I was a fan of Super Troopers and went, they made a Super Troopers joke because the Super Troopers people are in this and directed this movie. Yay! Or do I still enjoy the Dukes of Hazard movie the way I did when it came out? You know, it, it's it, I figured it would be a fun deep dive for us. And again, a lot of these movies, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've seen. I'm sure you also wouldn't mind taking a deep dive in rewatching as well. So with that being said, now you get the idea of what this show is going to be about. And as I said, today's movie is the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park, which I mean, what what am I going to really say about this movie that hasn't been said uh, to this point? It's it's coming up on its 30 year anniversary, or I should say it's 29 year, 30 will be next year. But uh, here's a movie that, again, came out in 1993, directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, was written by the novel writer Michael uh, Creechton and David Coep. Uh, it stars Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, the list goes on and on. B.D. Wong, who's back for the new one. Samuel L. Jackson as well. Uh, Wayne Knight. Yeah, that's right. Newman is in this film as well. So just a film that came out. And when I remember this movie coming out, I remember I was very excited for this film. I had already seen Spielberg stuff up to this point. Grew up watching E.T., saw the Indiana Jones trilogy, uh, and, you know, all films as well that we will get to at some point on this show. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a lot of Steven Spielberg. Jaws was one of my favorite movies up to this point as well. Just to kind of give that knowledge of, I was aware of who Steven Spielberg was. I was aware of his films. To the extent that I am now, no, I'm not sitting here, you know, going into deep dives about Spielberg and what, schindler's list meant and all that stuff and yada 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 what i knew about spielberg is that there are movies that i enjoy that i find really fun and i'm young he he's directed all of those here comes a new film from that director cool let's do this but i remember going to see this movie in theaters and what really stands about the uh, out about this movie as well is i didn't just see this movie in theaters once this was the first film I was able to go see in theaters more than once. And that wasn't a thing in my household with with my parents. It was, we went to the movies, you saw the movie, you can wait the six plus months for this thing to have its theatrical run, then have its VHS release, and if you you still want it, we'll buy it for you. That was how it was back in the day, kids. There wasn't instant gratification there wasn't video on demand there wasn't two weeks in theaters and now it's on a streaming service if you saw a movie it's opening weekend which i got to do with the original jurassic park opening weekend a night showing as well which is huge deal when what i i was let let me quickly do some math so i was like i was like five and a half going on six at the time so, you know, being able to go to a night showing of a movie, pretty big deal. And got a chance to go see this film opening weekend. What I also remember, what was really cool about the theater going experience with this as a kid, I will never forget this. It was an event to go see this movie because the local United Artists Theater, you had to go stand in the line outside 
Luckily, this was a summer release, so, you know, it's not cold when you're standing outside. Hoping you can get tickets. Getting the tickets. Dad, mom, me. And then I remember waiting in the little corralled line. But right there at the entrance to the theater, they had set up the Jurassic Park entrance. So they had that set up. It looked like you were walking into the park and the gates were closed. And when they started to let us go in for our seats, the gates opened and it was the employees, you know, opening it and stuff like that. But it was a cool like, holy shit, we're entering Jurassic Park. That's really cool. We're about to enter the park. So there was a whole setup to it. There was a whole thing. They had they had plants and everything set up outside of this as well to really give it a feel of you were entering those gates the way that they do when they start to enter the park. And that just stood out to me. And that was for the opening weekend. By the time I got a chance to go see it a second time, it was weeks later. I got to go with my brother who had already seen the movie as well, but I wouldn't shut up about it after seeing the film. I became such a fan of dinosaurs. In fact, this movie and the book, the book as well plays into it, but this was a movie that uh, really helped spark people's interest in dinosaurs. Uh, Paleontology, I know that as a career and as a study saw an increase after this film came out and rightfully so like the moment this film came out and I got to see it I was all about dinosaurs I wanted to know more I wanted to own everything Jurassic Park I wanted to go to the museums that had dinosaur bones because you know they had the bones in Jurassic Park and they were searching for them and they had the bone setups uh, you know, on the island and everything. So I, I was really into dinosaurs all thanks to this movie. And it, and I think you can agree that at the same time, you were as well. There's no there's no denying that. It, 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 it kicked the spark because getting into this movie, even as a young kid, I realized this might be a perfect movie from beginning to finish with each character being clearly defined, and having their stories clearly told in this circular motion, the hero journey for Dr. Grant in this film, oh, it's a chef kiss. It's as good as Jaws with Chief Brody and his hero's journey. And yes, the hero's journey thing, you know, it's been in literature for years and all of that, but it's its a true thing. And, and some of the best stories told on the big screen really do follow that hero's journey. And I, and I think Dr. Grant has a great journey in this film, leaving behind his familiar world of digging up the bones. Then, then he has to learn to navigate an unfamiliar world of those bones he's been digging up, the dinosaurs he's constantly trying to learn about now, trying to eat him and they are a real thing, all at the same time having to learn to deal with children because he does not like kids. And we established that very early on in his familiar world of digging up dinosaur bones, being with his partner, Dr. Adler, but not liking children as well and not being a fan of kids. So you get that departure. He's got to help the kids navigating an unfamiliar world with them. And then eventually all things settle. The hero returns to that familiar world, but now has a better understanding 
of everything else now now has come out clearer on the other side and a better person and you know you see that with the last shot of the film with dr grant beginning the movie in the beginning when we get introduced to him of that's one of those things you want after he scares the crap out of that poor kid uh talking about how the raptor will watch him while the other two raptors tear him apart and eat him uh all because he made fun of said it looked like a giant bird uh and all that good stuff so he goes from tormenting kids to being put in an unfamiliar situation with two kids he must protect and coming out at the other end heading back to that familiar world but with both of those kids asleep in his arms and just a much better person so uh, that's what i mean by our our true uh, our true lead of this film dr grant has a perfect hero's journey in this movie and I, and i say the same with jaws and we'll get into it when eventually we do Jaws, maybe that'll be a 4th of July thing, a July thing, since always watch Jaws for 4th of July. There's just a, there's just a connection there. Obviously, Beach has got to stay open for the 4th of July, so maybe we'll talk about it there. But yeah, I think Jurassic Park does a great job at telling a hero's journey for Dr. Grant. Now, with the side characters, I think they are perfect as well. When you bring in the uh, the Jeff Goldblums here to to these characters that help continue to push the story forward into its unfamiliar territory into its chaos you know coming in and be with the life finds a way uh making every female in 1993 sit up a little bit perked up a little bit higher in their in their seats at the movie theater because they're like oh shirtless jeff goldblum got it i see i like it What's going on? <laughs> but yeah, Dr. Ian Malcolm, like all the other characters are so solid. If there's really any issue with any of the characters, maybe some are underutilized. You know, Samuel L. Jackson, yes, he's featured, but his character is a little underutilized in a way. I mean, hell, his death sequence takes place off screen. And trying to think of the other ones, maybe, maybe B.D. Wong. But the later films have tried to make up for that because I never read the books, but I've heard from people who have read the books that I guess that character in the Jurassic World portion of this franchise is what that character really was in the original books. So, you know, we we just get a little taste of him. Not much, but really everybody's defined. You know who these characters are by the time the unfamiliar happens. By the time these dinosaurs break free. So I know I've kind of really dived into it, but the quick plot of Jurassic Park, uh, industrialist John Hammond creates a theme park of cloned dinosaurs, Jurassic Park, uh, on an island right off of Costa Rican, uh, off the Costa Rican coast. After a dinosaur handler is killed by a velociraptor, the park's investors, represented by a lawyer, uh, they demand that experts visit the park and certify its safety. That's when a mathematician and a chaos theorist, Dr. Ian Malcolm, gets invited while Hammond, uh, and he's invited, mind you, by the lawyer, Hammond goes out and invites the paleontologist, Dr. Grant and Ellie Sattler. Upon the arrival, that's when they see a live bronchiosaurus. They visit the park's visitor center. Group learns that the cloning was accomplished by extracting dinosaur DNA from prehistoric mosquitoes. Preserved in amber, DNA from frogs was used to fill in gaps in the genome uh, of the dinosaurs 
and prevent breeding. So they were saying, hey, every dinosaur is going to be a female. No worry. No breeding here. Uh, We're going to expose the we're going to omit the exposure to testosterone uh, during a big portion of when this all happens. And and let's talk about a movie here that was able to do a whole dinosaur DNA extraction, cloning, all this stuff. And was able to explain it in such a way that us as the audience didn't feel left out. That's another thing that felt was was really good. It didn't feel good. It was good. It was great that the movie is able to go into this territory that, you know, unless you're in that field, we don't know and could very easily cause the audience to glaze over and go, what the are we talking about here? But it does such a good job. It has the great... Uh, Mr. DNA really is engaging in a way to tell us a major plot point and and really give us some good exposition and not in a dull way, in a fun way. So credit to this movie for being able to do that. Uh, But as they're going through that whole situation, that's when they witness the hatching of a baby velociraptor. They visit the enclosure. uh, And during lunch, they start to debate the ethics of cloning, the creation of the park. And again, this movie even at this point, is extremely engaging in such a, I don't want to call it posturous, but in, in just in a very medical science field that us as the general audience really don't know anything about, but we are engaged in this lunchtime conversation. Uh, that's when Dr. Hammond is like, you know, I, I brought people here to defend me and the only one that's on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. Thank you. Uh, But eventually this group breaks, goes off, and that's when they're joined by Hammond's grandchildren, Lex and Tim. Uh, They take a tour of the park. Hammond's overseeing the tour from the control room. uh, And that's when the unfamiliar, unplanned, everything goes haywire. Most of the dinosaurs don't even appear. Uh, The group encounters a sick Tyrannosaurus, Triceratops. It's all cut short by the tropical cyclone that's been approaching the island as well during all of this, which why? Okay, maybe this is one of the other things as well, but it seems to be a thing in every Jurassic Park. Like, why? You you knew the storm was coming, so why the hell did you have to do it this weekend? Why were you trying to beat the storm? Why didn't you wait till after the storm to do this? Kind of like, hey, why'd you build an island uh, in, in a spot that's got an active volcano? You know, totally logical questions but it also again i've i've seen jurassic park at this point in my life well over a hundred times so all questions that i'm rightfully you know the fact that i'm asking these questions and they're so small in all honesty of like why didn't you wait till after the after the tropical storm why'd you try to rush it it's so minor and minute really honestly it's not like i'm sitting here having conversations of like why the hell did you decide to put the general lee in the middle of atlanta and do this bit in the middle of this movie again for down the road episode, but they go off, they're doing their thing. Uh, the cyclones approaching most of the park employees leave for the mainland on a boat, uh, while the visitors are returning to their, uh, electric tour vehicles, except for Sadler. She stays behind to help with the veterinarian and man, gotta love it. She just rolls in there and it's like, Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing your job better than you, buddy. (laughs) I've been digging these things up, but I know how to be a vet better than you. Uh, Jurassic Park has a very disgruntled lead computer programmer. That's uh, when Newman comes in. 
uh, Dennis Nedry. Uh, he's been bribed by another guy. We got introduced to him a little bit earlier on, a man working for Hammond's uh, corporate rival. They plan to steal some fertilized dinosaur embryos. Uh, that's when uh, Nedry deactivates the park security system to make things even more crazy because he needs to gain access to the uh, storage room, stores the embryos inside of a container disguised as a shaving cream can, which was always one of the coolest things to me. As much as like, I, I always want to just call him Newman instead of instead of his actual name, but as much as he's geeking out over that contraction, I still geek out the same way over that thing because that was like the coolest coolest designed shaving cream can ever come on it had a little compartment in there good for like 36 hours of storing uh embryos like that was cool uh either way he sabotages also cuts power to the tour vehicles so the whole thing is just a sabotage they're stranded near the t-rex paddock uh, most of the park's electrical fences are deactivated as well which causes the t-rex to escape and he then proceeds to attack the group in what is just, no matter how many times I see it, one of the most thrilling, wonderful, just moments in a film. The whole slow, like, this is where I go, man, Steven Spielberg is one hell of a director that I I really wish he would direct a horror movie. Like, I really do, because everything that he has done at times has had such wonderful elements of what you would see in a scary movie from like a James Wan or a Carpenter or a Wes Craven. And it's all there. Like I think he could make a really great scary movie because the T-Rex sequence is terrifying. The slow burn, the, the build up to it, the anticipation, the suspense, all of it is there. And the T-Rex escapes, attacks the vehicles, ends up eating the lawyer, injures Malcolm, uh, tosses one of the electro, uh, electrical cars over uh, his paddock, which I've always questioned the design of that. Be because if you really think about it, how did a car fall, go into the paddock and fall as far as it fell when the T-Rex steps over that to get out of the, like, it just, it kind of doesn't make sense. I'm guessing, you know, I've, I've always tried to look at it. I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there are videos out there breaking it down on why it does make sense. Cause I've seen people with the videos breaking down of why the T-Rex getting into the visitor center at the end makes sense. And since I've seen that, yeah, okay. I could buy that it, you know, nobody heard it because of everything going on and the side of the visitor center was still open because they hadn't finished making it yet. They, they were close to being done, but there was still a wall missing that the T-Rex walked through. But either way, Dr. Grant's got to get Tim out of uh, the car, which is caught in the tree after falling into the T-Rex paddock and falling a far way down. Lex and Dr. Grant standing at the bottom. So he climbs up, gets Tim out of the, um, out of the car. Another great, really intense sequence there where he gets him out. They start climbing down the tree, uh, but the car is breaking branch by branch as they're going down and down and down and eventually end up sliding and getting back into the top of the car uh, where the T-Rex had busted through the glass at the top earlier to try and eat the kids who were protected by the top of that glass. Uh, so now Dr. Grant is on a journey to keep these kids safe. 
while everybody else is back at the command center realizing what Nedry did. Uh, and Samuel L. Jackson is like, I can get this park back up. It's going to take me a little while, but I'm going to do his job for him. Because, uh, yeah, let's do this. We go back to Nedry, who becomes lost in the rain after pulling off his heist, trying to get out of there. That's when he crashes his Jeep Wrangler. Uh, and while trying to get away, is killed by the Dilophosaurus, who we did not see earlier on because he didn't show up. So Ned, unaware of the Dilophosaurus, like a really a great kill scene as well, a great dinosaur eat scene. Uh, we all hate Nedry by this point, so to see him get the blinded by the Dilophosaurus and then eaten in the car by the Dilophosaurus, just, mwah, again, another chef's kiss, baby. Uh, also, this movie, I credit this movie for my love of Jeeps and more specifically Jeep Wranglers, which I have always wanted. Uh, but yeah, that he was driving a Jeep Wrangler in this film. A lot of them used in this movie. Uh, Sattler is, as I said, back at the um, command center and all that stuff. That's when, uh, you know, they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to go out. We're going to search for survivors. Uh, they come across Dr. Malcolm, who's injured. They're chased away by the T-Rex. Another great scene. Like once the dinosaurs get out, this movie becomes a full-blown scary movie. It really does. And and I know I said, I know you're probably like, Nick, didn't you just say you want him to direct scary? I mean a scary movie from beginning to finish. I don't mean a movie that is an action thriller like this. It's suspenseful. It's a scary movie. Yes, the dinosaurs are, are craze killers. And I think a lot of the films post this, that's something that they have gotten wrong with the franchise is they don't really understand that this is in a way a slasher film. You have your innocent victims, your slashers are the man-eating dinosaurs. That's what it is. And and it was inevitable because, you know, this film does so good, you got to keep the sequels going. So what happens in every sequel? The villain starts as a villain and then eventually, you know, Freddy Krueger is really not a villain anymore. Michael Myers really wasn't a villain anymore towards the end. It just, it's inevitable that we start going into these films going, oh, I'm here for the kill. I'm here for the kill, baby. And that's really a lot of, I feel like some of the later films have done a little bit more. I'll say the Jurassic, I'll say this right now about the Jurassic World films. And again, we haven't gotten to them yet. They are not bad. They understand that route. And I think, uh, what was it? Fallen Kingdom. There are moments in that movie that really are some of the scariest moments in a Jurassic Park film. But for the most part, they Again, we'll get into all of that when we get to that. Uh, back to Jurassic Park, though. So Malcolm's okay. He goes back to the command center. Grant, Tim, and Lex are on the run. Uh, they encounter uh, Bronchiosaurus in the treetop where they sleep. And that's beginning Dr. Grant's kind of journey with learning to uh, love kids and all of that stuff and, and really becoming more of uh, this idea of kids are okay. This this will not be bad with me and um, Dr. Sadler, like this is going to work on their journey back. Grant concludes that dinosaurs have been breeding because they come across some broken shells of dinosaur eggs, uh, which he surmises occurred because of the frog DNA and that some West African frogs can change their sex in a single sex environment, allowing the dinosaurs to do so as well. Circling back to when Dr. Malcolm said that life will find a way you you can make them female but at the end of the day life always finds a way unable to decipher ned's code back at the command center to reactivate the security system hammond and mr arnold samuel Lale, they reboot the park system so they shut down the park's grid retreat to an emergency bunker uh, arnold heads to a maintenance shed to complete the rebooting process when he fails to return sattler 
uh, and uh, Muldoon head out to the shed. They discover that the shutdown deactivating the remaining fences. The Raptors, very smart, clever girls. Uh, they broke free. Uh, Muldoon distracts one of the Raptors, uh, but he didn't have that conversation with Dr. Grant earlier about the fact that one Raptor is a distraction. Not a good thing. If you see one in front of you, it means there might be some others lurking around, but he's distracting the Raptor in front of him. Sattler takes off, goes back to, goes back to turn on the power uh, before she herself is attacked by a Raptor and discovers that Arnold is dead. Samuel L. eaten by a raptor off camera when his severed arm falls onto her. Uh, and then Muldoon is caught off guard and killed by two other raptors who were waiting to come in from the side. And just like Dr. Grant had terrified the kid back at the beginning. Meanwhile, Grant, Tim, and Lex, uh, they um, have a great moment with the electrical fence. Tim gets electrocuted. Uh, so yeah, just a just a wonderful moment, you know, just almost killing a kid in a movie. Uh, but they end up getting back to the visitor center because we're not killing Tim in this movie. Uh, Grant heads out to look for Sattler, leaving Tim and Lex behind. Uh, Tim and Lex are then pursued by the Raptors in a kitchen. They escape when Grant and Sattler arrive. Uh, the group reaches the control room. Lex using all of her computer knowledge. Uh, which was just a beautiful, wonderful, like, we knew she could do that because here's the other thing. This movie has set up so many, just through the conversations and little subtly, makes everything work. Before Dr. Grant finds the eggs, they're having the conversation and Tim is joking that, oh man, the the, the bronchiosaurus uh, sneezing on her is now going to cause her to go more deeper into her room and play around on her computer to where she pushes back but we're focused on Grant stopping and looking at the eggs and realizing, oh, life found a way. So just a subtle little line in this movie then leads to Lex using the computers, restoring the park's power, allowing Hammond to call for help. The four try to escape by the front entrance where they're cornered by the raptors, and that's when they escape. As I mentioned, the T-Rex appears, kills the raptors. Hammonds arrives in the Jeep with Malcolm, and they board the helicopter and take off. And that great scene at the end where you see Dr. Grant with both Tim and Lex in his arms as Dr. Sattler looks on. And we fly off into the distance and believe that they lived happily ever after until we get to Jurassic Park 3 and find out that Grant and Sattler are not together. So, yeah, that's Jurassic Park in a nutshell. Again, I've already talked about it. This film, one of my favorites is really truly a classic holds up extremely well especially for a film that was the early days of cgi really the introduction of cgi that real and and cgi aspect adding these things into the same movie and for a film that came out in 1993 you got to be kidding me with the fact that the cgi still holds up the way that it does because there are films that are still coming out today that cgi looks nothing like this film so absolutely a wonderful movie love jurassic park cannot wait to revisit it again and cannot wait to revisit more movies with you uh, no idea what next month's film is going to be but you can be assured it's either going to be a classic or uh oh my god why does he own it so maybe that's the other end of the spectrum maybe we'll go the other end of the spectrum uh next month and we'll do you know i've referenced dukes of hazard so much maybe it's time to go watch that one maybe it's time to watch airheads Maybe it's time to watch That's My Boy. I'd tell you what, though, I do not own Jack and Jill, so we will never have to do that. 
All right, that'll do it. Thank you all so much for hanging out uh, this week as a special episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show, the uh, A to Z movie reviews. Have a great one. Peace and love. <laughs>